We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 272. And that's a wrap on the regular season. I am so ready for the playoffs to start, just because it's kind of been inevitable for quite some time that the Yankees and the A's are playing in this one-game wild card. We finally know it's at Yankee Stadium, but uh, we still don't know any of the other details, which is a little frustrating. Yeah, so that's I think that's kind of... Uh you know, leads to what we're going to be doing this week, which uh, which is this. This was originally going. We were going to do a wild card preview on, on today's show, but we're going to hold off on that and do it on Tuesday night. We're going to record it on Tuesday night. We're going to do a wild card preview episode at 8 p.m. and we're going to do a Facebook live and then we'll release it Wednesday. But nobody's released anything. No, I haven't said who the who the starter is going to be. Uh, we don't really know who the roster is going to be. We can all speculate and, and we will do that, but. Um, you know, we want to make sure we have all the information in front of us so that we can do a, a true preview. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, we're getting some bonus episodes. Obviously, now that the season is over, we are on to playoff schedule, which means <laughs> every day. No more sleep. No more sleep in the <laughs> which month means of October. Every day. Yep. So the playoff schedule is going to be, as we just said, a preview on two. You're listening to this episode now. This is like the the season wrap up episode, and we do have uh, Jane Lee. She's the MLB.com reporter 
for the Oakland A's. So this is a little bit of a teaser episode uh, for that wild card game. Scott spoke with her Sunday afternoon, talked about um, what's going to happen in that wild card game, who they might start, a number of different things, how this team has sort of gelled this year because they've been a pretty bad team for a few years in a row. And something I am very interested in listening <laughs> to is some talk about our boy Sonny Gray. I had to get to that. I had to throw it in because it was... Uh, I just needed to know what his demeanor was in post-game press conferences, or not press conferences, but just the interviews. And uh, it was some very, very interesting things. Very interesting things she said to me. And so we were kind of chatting before the um, episode, before we press record, not to yep. give anything away on that interview. But it's something. It's very. This is off-season talk. You know, we, we we're probably going to talk about Sonny Gray and a number of the other players in the offseason and what the Yankees are going to do but damn is he interesting what Brian Cashman and the Yankees are going to do with him going into 2019 because he was their number three starter coming into this year with number one potential you and you predicted the 20 games for a reason because he had that potential I sat here and said would anybody really be surprised if Sonny Gray ended up being the Yankees best starter in 2018 and the shit Totally hit the fan. The wheels fell off the wagon so quickly with Sonny Gray. So it's interesting what happens with him going into spring training next year. He is the guy that's that's uh, that you know the opposite of a media darling is like the most polarizing player in the offseason because because of what everybody thought his potential was and now uh, you know what the what happened to him this year and, and how how far from grace he has fallen. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how he handles it because we're talking about value and that's we were talking about this before. Andrew and I were, were having the the um, the conversation of do we talk about this now or do we talk about this later? So we are going to talk about it more in depth later, but the value of Sonny Gray, if, if Cashman is to, to potentially trade him or roll the dice and, and hopefully he figures it out, it's an interesting conversation because there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we stand right now, I don't expect him to be on either the wild card or the playoff roster. No, I mean he has pitched better in 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 the in the relief role, but that's not saying much. Are you going to trust him to yeah. come into a wild card or a playoff game in in relief? I don't think Aaron Boone and the Yankees are going to trust him no. to do that. Well, I told Jane this is one of our one of the last things I said to her. I was like, well, you know what? Maybe it's just meant to be that Sonny is for some reason on this roster for ungod, ungodly reasons that I, I have no idea about, and he comes in in relief appearance and pitches the freaking lights out against his old team and That'd saves the and saves the day and saves we both agreed season. we said yep that would be the narrative then everything else is forgotten that's it oh totally yeah it's all about what you do in october no doubt. especially in new york so we talked about that with gary sanchez he can erase all of the shitty memories from this year if he has a big postseason yeah it's true that's it you gotta perform in october and nobody nobody remembers what happened in the regular season um, so as I was saying, Tuesday night live stream, 8 PM for that wild card preview. And then after every single game, the Yankees play in the playoffs, Scott and I will hop on late night, uh, to record our immediate gut reaction from the game. Uh, last wild card game, it was a little sloppy. We were a little <laughs> drunk after that. And I'm going to the game this year. Yeah. You, uh, still Maybe. TBD. We're, yeah. We're, we're, we're still, still trying TBD. to work things out here. But I will definitely be at that game. I will try and limit my beer intake so I am a little bit coherent on that episode. You might have to be driving that episode. Yeah, I, I, I seriously doubt you're going to limit the uh, the intake on that one. <laughs> having, having a one-year-old around this game is killing me because it's like it's, it's keeping things up in flux, unfortunately, for me. But um, hopefully, hopefully it works out. We'll see. 
So it's going to be a busy October. I, I'm very excited. Um, and it finally seems like the Yankees um, maybe have a little momentum, right? They got to 100 wins. That was big because that means if they got to 100, Oakland could not catch them. So instead of Oakland losing and the Yankees getting home field, the Yankees got to their number and they got home field. And they had a, they hit the the uh, all the home runs, all the home run records. Yep. They have... They broke the single season record by the Mariners, the 97 Mariners. So they had 265 plus home runs. And then Glaber hit a home run out of the nine spot. That makes 20 out of every or, uh, spot in the order. That's kind of fun. Um, just to, to think about every spot in the order hitting 20 plus home runs. Yeah. Um, so they got all that crap Stan, done with. And Stan the got the hundred, his 100th RBI. Yeah. Um, just, uh, uh, the and, round numbers look nice. And Duhar passes Joe DiMaggio for most mm-hmm. doubles. By a rookie, which is imp- like insane when you think about that. That's a, uh, you know, the the uh, the the bat the bat presence that this guy has. You know, the the range that he has with that with that bat. He really is. Uh, I think just got better and better as the year went on. So super impressive. Absolutely, and I there is a little bit of a narrative that I want to talk about. So I saw a lot of people after the Yankees won on Saturday saying. It is so remarkable that the team accomplished 100 wins, all things considered. And when they say all things considered, they mean um, injuries, judge, horrible go, seasons. Ju- injury, injury. So Judge going down for a while, Sanchez going down for a while, and also hitting a buck 85. Greg Bird being completely MIA. Sonny Gray being pulled from the rotation. Um, uh, Chapman spending time on the DL. Didi spending time on the DL. I totally get that. But that, that I don't want to sound like John Sterling at this point. But that's baseball, Susan, because at the same time, they got heroics out of Luke Voigt, who was just pulled a little golden nugget out of Cashman's ass. No one predicted Luke Voigt. So that happened. And then they got two tremendous rookie seasons out of Glaber and Andujar. Andujar, we just said, broke Joe DiMaggio's record for doubles. Glaber Torres was the leading candidate for rookie of the year for two thirds of the season. So, yes, some things broke their way, but something or broke against them. A lot of shit also broke for them. That's just how it happens. Yeah, we expected this team to win 100 or get near 100, and they did. And you know why they did? Because they're damn talented, and the rest of the league is garbage. There's a reason that three teams in the same league won 100 games. That's never happened before. There's a reason it happened this year, and that's because you got Baltimore Orioles losing 115 games and Kansas City Royals losing whatever they lost and a bunch of crap, garbage-ass teams. The the thing is though we predicted this team to have 100 wins right but we didn't predict the fact that Judge would be gone for the majority of the second half that Sanchez would hit a buck 85 that that Sonny Gray wasn't part of the rotation or and if he was it was uh it was a loss every time he was up so you know we did predict that 100 and we didn't nearly we didn't see any of that it's not like we predicted any of those things no. to happen because if we of knew those not. ahead of time we would have said that you know maybe this team gets to 500 maybe uh so no. so that's I, I mean that's no. i bet if we knew that ahead of time that that would have been a that would have been a fair assessment because god knows what happens with the uh with with you know the people that are taking their place the but fact okay that they, at hold, the same time on, though hold on hold on the fact that they <laughs> the fact that they came they came back from all of this stuff in the second half the fact that they actually did um, finished the season on a very, very high note. And that was important. We we were talking about this, what, two to three weeks ago, saying this team is flat, they're not playing, they're well, and they're just starting to get people back. Like, right around the time that Judge came back. I mean, coincidence is is 
is is out the window at this point because literally oh, Aaron Judge is the catalyst when we, he came, when he was in the lineup that. or when he was at the stadium in a uniform and able to say good job without a mouth, mouthful of seeds this team started playing really well and you know the pitchers pitched the hitters hit they started scoring runs and they ended the season on a high note the fact that they got to 100 games which by the way I predicted in the beginning of the season exactly 100 okay so you're exactly one out of 10 it. on your predictions congratulations hey, that's the number one that's the only one that matters let's all be honest um so th- that I mean the fact that they did do that in the second half I think is impressive I, I do I think there shows a, a very big resilience from this team because when you look up and down at the amount of things that happened this year and most of them happened in the second half, uh, the fact that they did climb and get to 100s, I, I do think is impressive. Most of that 100 wins, though, came in the first half. But the thing is, here's the deal. It's not like anybody's settled. It's not like <laughs> it's not like we're saying, okay, we have 100 wins. Now that's it. Successful season. No, that's not the narrative. The narrative is just I'm talking about the fact the that they narrative. got there. I, I, I'm just saying that uh, I, I don't like I don't like that. It's just not it's not what I want to hear right now. They still have work to do. Right. Let's go. We're, they're going to win. They're, let's, let's play our ass off on Wednesday night and try and beat Boston in the ALDS. I don't want to hear about remarkable that the Yankees were able to do this, all things considered. Like, you're already looking back? No. Keep looking forward. Everybody's looking forward, but when you get to the 100 mark, you can stand there for a second and look at it and be like, oh, all right. Good job. That was impressive, all things considered. Now and let's go to Boston. Say, That's how you do you, it. You say that the Yankees were without Aaron Judge for two months this year, but they were also without Aaron Judge for two months last year. Yeah, that, that's fine. But they weren't also without Gary Sanchez the entire time. They also didn't have one of the guys that they uh, thought was going to be a mainstay in their rotation completely shit the bed and and get you know banished to the uh, to the bullpen. They also didn't have a first. Well, they did have a first baseman that disappeared. They had multiple first basemen that disappeared. But there's there's just been so many things that happened to this team. Um, even with their uh, their bullpen, like the strength of it, you know, uh, of this team struggled at, at times. So there were a lot of things that they overcome. And I, I think there is um, there is credit that, that is deserved. And I think, honestly, nobody wants to give any credit to Aaron Boone because that's the easy thing to do. People just shit on him for whatever reason because he's the manager and he's a new guy. And they're like looking back at Girardi, even though everybody shit on Girardi. I think Aaron Boone has done a good job. I think Aaron Boone has done a good job with this team and uh, I think does have uh, the pulse of the team at this point. So uh, I'm excited for the, for the, obviously for Wednesday. I think they finished well, and I think that's exactly what you need. They went 162. How many games do they win with Joe Girardi this year? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's, an, impo- it's an impossible it's question. It's an impossible question. It's a stupid question even for me to answer. <laughs> More or less or the same? I'm going to say less because I love, uh, I love the team now. And, okay. I, and my full support is behind Aaron Boone. And they're getting healthy at the right time, which is the best news because this team, as we said, they didn't have their full lineup in there for for quite a long time. Glaber returned to the lineup on Thursday, Didi on Friday, Hicks on Friday, Chapman's back pitching the ninth inning, and Aaron Judge has been back for a few weeks. But are we a little bit concerned with him going into the playoffs because he has not really clicked yet? In the 11 games that he's started since returning, he's 9 for 41 with just one home run and 15 strikeouts. I'm not concerned at all. I mean, we we've seen him, you know, we've seen him do, you know, uh, hit hit the ball the other way. We've seen him hit a home run because that's something that he needed to get off. We've seen him hit hard line drives. Uh, we've seen him play the outfield no problem. It really doesn't seem like he's uh, in in any uh, problem as far as the injury. I think what we saw 
probably towards the beginning of him coming back was just, you know, getting back into baseball. Because remember, when he came back, he he, he came off, off of simulated games. He, he didn't do a, there was no rehab start, you know, the, uh, stint for him to, to actually see live game action. Like the guy got thrown into it. And, and you know, I, I think he's, um, you know, finding his stroke. The fact that he did finally hit a home run, uh, I think that was the last thing I needed to see. I agree. He's been patient at the plate. He's been having good at-bats. I think his on-base percentage is up around 360 or 370 since he's returned, which considering he only has nine hits is pretty good. That tells me he's he's locked in. He just hasn't necessarily found it yet. Right. He's, ha- he's having the long at-bats, which is what Aaron Judge always does. And then when you have McCutcheon and him at the top of the order, it's like the pitcher's 10, 11, 12 pitches deep before they even get through the first two guys in the batting order. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think when you're looking up and down and you see that that judge is, you know, maybe starting to click and even Sanchez is starting to square the ball up, you know, more consistently over the past week, which is a huge deal. Uh, the guy that you you circle, because if you can get this guy going, uh, the rest of them, just like judge, I mean, one of these two guys, if one of them is going, the rest of them all can benefit. Uh, and that's Stanton. Stanton has been uh, very good recently. He has been um, squaring the ball up. And, you know, we all know what happens with him. When he struggles, he's he's a, a streaky guy and he struggles for a while and he looks lost. But when he's hot, bam, this dude makes a lot of contact and murders the ball. And he might be getting hot at the right time. Exactly right time. I mean, that's that's exactly what it looks like. He's got he looks like he's got a lot of confidence. And, and you know Stanton's looking forward to this because he the reason he wanted to play with the Yankees is because he knew that perennial they're a perennial playoff team. Th- this team plays to win and he wants to be in the playoffs he wants to win in the playoffs and he wants to win a championship that's his main goal and I love that so Stanton has had I think an up and down season he started off really rough bunch of strikeout games he was getting booed and then June July I thought he was tremendous one of the Yankees best players he played every day when they needed him to play every day and then he really struggled in September but one thing he has done all year is crush the Red Sox. In 18 games, he's slashing 371, 423, 700 with five homers and 17 RBIs. And we have seen so many times big free agents or big trades come over to the Yankees and not hit Boston. And he's hitting Boston. And if if we get him in a five-game series against the Red Sox, that's good news. No, no doubt. And (laughs) I can't believe that ball hit him. After the the guy threw it back, um, someone interviewed him. I forget who it was. I think it was the, the guy from ESPN. Interviewed the guy. They found the guy, I guess, who threw the ball back from the, the monster. Yeah. And he's a Braves fan. Threw the ball back. And he just chucked it, apparently. Wasn't really looking. Season wasn't trying to hit him. Yeah, yeah, there's no possible way he could have hit him if he meant to hit him. He just no. threw it out there, and the ball bounced and hit him. And then you see Stanton's reaction kind of gives like a, a, ca- a cap tip. Like, damn, nice throw. Um, yeah, the whole thing was was phenomenal. How weird is it, though, that we mentioned Henry Rowengardner on the last episode? Yeah. And then something exactly like Rowengardner happens the next Why did we mention? I I remember. I couldn't remember his name, and I said said 18 versions of it. Yeah, because I think we were talking about Ron Gardenhire. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. That that was a late-night episode, so. Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens when you get get us late-night. Our brains are kind of just mush, and who the hell knows what's going to happen. Well, apparently, we can uh, see the future, too. Right. Yeah, it was great. It was fun. That's uh, something I've never seen before. And no, something, yeah. something Stanton, I thought, had the perfect reaction to. A little tip of the cap, a little, <laughs> hey, nice job, guy. Although, if he hit him in the air, I don't think he would have been so nonchalant about it. 
Dude, I, I just don't think much bothers this guy. He really, he really just shrugs everything off, and, and he understands where he is in life, and he understands like what he's doing, and he has a job and a mission, and and that's it. There's really nothing else that can get in his way. Nothing bothers him. It's it's crazy. Even when you listen to him, um, I was listening to the uh, R2C2 show, and, and with him, um, I was I wanted more juice, but I didn't get the juice I wanted from him. But but you can just tell his demeanor. I think that's the takeaway I got from it. And and it's kind of what I thought it was. You know, I, I think he shows that when he talks to the media, and he showed it consistently all year long. He's just all about business. He's business oriented. That's it. Nothing else bothers me. It may bother me inside, but I'm not going to show you that it bothers me. And he, he talked about that. And, and the fact that um, he has had that consistency in his demeanor through struggles, through good times, I, I think that's uh, a huge credit. And I, I, that's why he's going to do well in this town. Give him a B. Uh, give him a, I just uh, told you what I would give him. Give him a grade for uh, his first season, first regular season in pinstripes. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time not giving the guy an A, honestly, because he also... I can't give him an A. The, the, fact, that, the fact that he got to 100 RBIs, how many uh, home runs did he hit? Uh, 30, 30 plus? 30, 38, 100 38 RBIs. 38 home runs. 38 to, home runs. To, uh, 852 OPS. So not only did, not only did he, he struggled early, big time early struggles, and he came back from that, he, he carried the team for a little while. And not only was he carrying the team, and I know he fell apart... In September and was was uh, was was missing for a little while, but this is a guy that also had an injury. He had a hamstring problem, and he still was there. He knew damn well that he had to stay in that lineup with Judge out. He had to be the guy that stayed in, and to his credit, he stayed in the entire time and and was good. And then I think what we saw in September was probably the aftermath of that: the fact that he was not healthy, wasn't feeling great, and started struggling a little bit. And it just seems like when he gets into a bad swing or some kind of a bad mode or any kind of bad route. Um, uh, habit with with his swing then it takes a while for him to find it again and i think that's what we saw yeah so in june he had a 950 ops july 876 and then august he had a 950 ops again those three months i think when the yankees needed him most he was there so i don't know if i can give him an a because he was pretty up and down but i think a solid b plus for for his first season and playoffs count so if he has a couple big hits in the playoffs then bump him up to an a yeah, it's a, it's a big TBD at this point. We need to see what happens in the playoffs for sure because, you know, that's that's where you're judged in this town. That's that's the only that's the only thing people remember. All right, final thing we're going to talk about before uh, we moved on to the uh, segment with uh, Jane Lee from Oakland is CC Sabathia just being an absolute legend. Oh my god! And there is a small possibility that's the last time he ever throws a pitch in the major leagues. And if his last pitch is drilling somebody to stand up for his teammate and just giving the middle finger to $500,000, then that is so quintessential CC Sabathia. Put that on his plaque in Cooperstown. So um, I'm mentioning their podcast again. Not like, not like they haven't been uh, all over the place, but um, they ha- uh, uh, Ruko and CC were talking to Reggie Jackson. On one of their shows, and CC was talking, or there, Reggie was talking about CC, and I think that he said that in the baseball community, like at, at the time when he got traded to Milwaukee and was going out there in a contract year on three days rest, time after time after time after time again, 
he just took that level up, I guess, in the in the whole you know the the upper echelon of the baseball community, like the the guys who have the respect, the the Hall of Famers, the Reggie Jacksons of the world. They looked at CC and said, "Okay, kid, now you're one of you're you're one of these guys. You're one of us. You're going to be one of us at some point." Um, in, in the in the way that they they think of these guys and respect factors, because he doesn't care about anything else. He cares about what is happening in front of him, what his teammates are doing. And in Milwaukee, he cared about winning a World Series at that point because he realized that was his best opportunity to win a World Series. I don't care about the contract next year. Right now, I'm going to pitch my ass off. I'm going to do whatever I can to try to win a World Series. And that's what we saw with him against uh, Tampa Bay when the the pitch was. Uh, you know, going after Romine's head for no freaking reason because there's no possible way CC meant to throw at whoever the hell he was, whoever that guy, I don't know any of their names, but they threw at his hands. And uh, th- there's no way it was intentional. So the fact that he came back and threw at Romine's head, because that was certainly intentional, four-seam fastball going at someone's head, it's a, it's a thank God he got out of the way of that ball because that would have done a lot of bad things. Um, Dude, CC is just the man. He's the greatest. I love it. I and love it kind of it. It, it tells you everything you need to know about CC that all the race players, players around baseball, were like, well, if CC Sabathia is going to hit somebody, it's probably for good reason. Yeah, and even even at that time, like homeboy, he was buckling his belt still, like he had just taken a piss and was coming back into the luck into the dugout <laughs> or something, and the belt was coming. Unless he was taking it off to go do damage with the belt, but he was <laughs> about to go out there and fight the pitcher. Uh, like at that moment, like he was held back because that's how he is. He's just he's just that kind of guy that that always has the back of your teammates, and I, I absolutely love that. That's 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 who I want uh, all of my guys to be like. I love it. Does he make that decision if he does not have two hundred and fifty-two million dollars career earnings? Yeah, because I think it's 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 in him. It's ingrained in him. He just thinks one way and doesn't think about consequences or money or anything like that like in the moment is this the right decision and to him that was the right decision and I think to a lot of people that was the right decision he hit the guy walked off the field not even before he even got tossed he knew he was gonna get tossed Mm -hmm. that's that's for you bitch straight up to Kevin Cash love it yeah it it was it was it was phenomenal it was why every Yankees fan loves CC Sabathia yes because that's how he's been since 2009 and he's put up in the playoffs and he does stuff like that and wear, he wear said, your heart I've, on your sleeve. I've never made decisions based on money, and I believe him, despite the fact he does have a quarter of a billion dollars in the bank. <laughs> I mean, the, the nice thing about this, too, when you see something like this at the end of the season, that, that's, a, that's a rally cry right there. I don't care who's yeah. it, who it's against. That is something that shows what, what needs to happen and how you should act with your teammates. And um, I think it came at an amazing moment for this team. And when you're looking at all these younger guys who are going to be the next leaders and who are, you know, starting to take those roles, the judges, uh, uh, possibly Sanchez, possibly Andujar, who knows, possibly Luke Voigt, the guy might be a mainstay for all we know. Like you, when they when these guys see how CC Sabathia, who's 37, 38 years old, acts at this point in his career and just takes, you know, uh, reckless abandon for money and doesn't doesn't matter. He's just got his teammates back, and that's it. I love that, and and they're going to learn from that. So that's something we'll probably see down the road too, because uh, you know that's this is a guy they hold in the highest regard. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but if things don't go the Yankees' way in the next few days, this could be that could be the last time he ever pitches for them. It, it could be. It could be. Um, I I'm of the thinking that that Cashman's really going to lock down that pitching staff. I think he's going to spend some money in the pitching staff. 
Um, and and I, I think he's going to take less risks with one-year contracts and older guys just because the team is ready to go right now. And the one glaring issue that they need to solidify is that starting rotation. So um, it would not surprise me if that was if he was not back with the Yankees. I don't know. There's always the possibility the Yankees win the World Series, and Sabathia has said, I'm going to retire if that happens, and then he never has to, has to serve that bogus five-game suspension last year. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of come back from that, but the fact that he would retire, but... It, that would be a sweet thing. to. He should do that. Yeah. Um, so it was a – describe the, the 2018 season in, in one or a few words. Well, how would you describe it? Bipolar. <laughs> it was bipolar because on certain days we were the happiest of happy, the greatest team in baseball, hitting home runs. Everybody was Everybody was dancing and having a good time. And then for long stretches, it wasn't just little times, long stretches, this team – Looked like they were playing without inspiration. They looked like they were playing uh, just just bad baseball, bad baseball, and and it, 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 you know you look at them and you're like, how am I watching the the same team from from what we were before? So bipolar to me is is exactly how they're categorized. Bipolar and a lot of dingers, a lot of dingers, a lot of dingers <laughs> from a lot of people. That's the other thing. Like uh, you get to that point by by uh, having a, a deep team a deep roster of guys who can hit home runs um and there are a ton of dudes that can hit home runs in this team all right that's gonna do it for us on this portion of the podcast stay tuned for scott and jane lee they had a conversation about the wild card game and a bunch of other things and we will be back tuesday night 8 p.m live on facebook and then that episode will be posted after that any last words scott yeah, the voicemails. We have, uh, what, like yes. 10 or 15 voicemails at the end as well of, um, of, of people's reactions to the season. So that's, awesome. that's something definitely to look forward to. All right, we'll talk to you in a few days. Started with nothing really I was dreaming sleeping rarely Had a different theory Then I started thinking clearly Can y'all even hear me? But nobody's on call Can't turn around now I know we're not far And I can smell it Deep down they jealous That'll never sell us What they used to tell us Shout out to all the fake fans To the dreamers that can make plans all right, guys, I'm excited to bring on our guests for today. Obviously, we have the wild card coming up on Wednesday. We want to get all in depth with the matchup with Yankees and Oakland A's. Uh, we're joined by Jane Lee. You can find her at Jane MLB on Twitter. She has been the MLB.com beat writer for the Oakland A's since 2010. Jane, thanks so much for coming on and joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So I feel like we've been circling this game on the calendar for a long time, right? The only thing that has been uh, yeah. up in the up in the air was where it's actually going to played, uh, going to be played. But now we we know it's going to be in the Bronx. But but still, we have so many unanswered questions. I feel like with pitching and what's going to happen. But how has Oakland uh, been talking about going to New York and facing the Yankees in the wild card game? Yeah, I think for them, I mean, they've been so good about just playing for the day. And I know how cliche that does sound, but I mean, you have to think about it. This is a team that wasn't expected to be here. They weren't really expected to do much of anything. Um, so it's not like they've spent, you know, the majority of the season, half the season, you know, looking toward the postseason. They were really just playing for the day, wanting to win every day. And they, they started essentially doing that, um, going on this uh, absolutely crazy run. So they're here now. And I think being able um, to just do exactly that and focus on the day has really helped them get to this point um, and this is when you know they start looking ahead um, but this is a team that's played well on the road um, they really haven't let outside factors affect them you know they 
They're always saying, um, you know, we don't really care who we're playing. We don't care where we're playing. You know, we're going to play our game. Um, and they're not just talking. I mean, they've, they've done that. Um, they've shown that they can do that. So um, while a wild card game at Yankee Stadium um, would, would probably be intimidating, and I'm sure that, you know, they're not going to voice that, um, you know, I do think there's something to the way that they've gone about their business to this point and them just wanting to stay on that track and do just that. Um, now, do I think that, you know, a playoff game at Yankee Stadium could, you know, maybe – um, you know, bring about some nerves, maybe a little more pressure, just knowing what's at stake. I do. I don't think anyone's immune to that, um, no matter what they say. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a playoff game for a lot of the A's. It's their first playoff game. Um, so there's going to be a little more to it. But, um, uh, you know, I don't think that they're, you know, putting that much pressure on themselves just yet. You know, we'll see come game day. But so far in the clubhouse, it really has been business as usual. You know, it's funny because I remember in, um, not last year, but uh, 2016 when the Yankees, you know, started bringing up all these guys and making trades and, and they weren't expecting to make any runs. They were they were kind of the, the you know, not to, to put it in a better term, but the young, dumb Yankees. They didn't know any better at that point. They were just going in there, yep. the, a young team going in and playing playing hard. And that's that's kind of the, the vibe I'm getting from, from Oakland. It's like these guys are all, it's a young team. They're They've definitely exceeded expectations, and they're really playing with house money at this point. So they don't have much to lose. Um, it's been impressive the way that they've done that. So you know, I, I have a feeling like that type of mentality going into a place like Yankee Stadium is probably the better way to go. Just saying, you know, let's let the let the cards uh, you know fall as they may, and 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 just put our put our guts out there. Oh, for sure. I mean, there were you know at least from outside there were zero expectations of this team. So it's not like. <laughs> You know, they're if if they're one and done, then they've you know let people down and and all that. You know, but the fact that they're even here, um, I mean, I think no matter what happens Wednesday, the organization is really proud of the fact that they got to this point. And not saying that you know they'd be satisfied and and okay with being one and done, but um, just getting to the playoffs, uh, and especially for them. I mean, they entered the season you know with the lowest payroll, um, have really no rotation at this point um and yet you know we're about to play baseball into october so um yeah there is something too just like you know you're not you're not shouldering any expectations any pressure um and i think it was mike fires the other day that you know he's only been around this team for a little over a month um but he he said you know i think a lot of guys in here are just you know, too young, too dumb to even really realize what's going on. And I think yeah. that that could definitely play in their favor. So, you know, I think getting to this point and, and you know, talking about the expectations, you, you tweeted a little bit ago, right before we're, we're recording at uh, 2.30 on, on Sunday, um, you mentioned that you think that Liam Hendricks, a lot of the signs are pointing, pointing towards Liam Hendricks starting this game or opening this game, I should say. Sorry, the word starter is, is not used any longer. So. <laughs> Um, but open the no, who, you know, needs, who needs starters these days? Exactly right. I mean, you guys apparently do not because your current rotation of Fires, Jackson, Cahill, and Anderson, a couple of retreads brought back, but like these guys weren't on the opening day roster. So how how has Oakland actually gotten to this point with you know such a, a pieced together um, pitching staff? You know, it's not, I can't even call it a rotation any longer. It's a, it's a it's a full blown staff effort. Yeah, no, I, I do not know, honestly. Um, I ask myself that every day, and people ask me all the time, and I really, truly don't know how they've done it. Um, I mean, 
you look at the rest of the roster, um, obviously the offense has been one of the best in baseball. Same can be said of the bullpen. Um, their defense, I think, has quietly um, played a huge role in their success. Um, the past few years, their defense has been one of the worst in the league, and this year um, they've, they've really been one of the best. Um, and I think all those little things, um, you know, have kind of offset the, the lack of, of rotation help. Um, and I mean, the bullpen, <laughs> this is a bullpen that's, I mean, I don't know that any any bullpen in A's history has, you know, compiled as many innings as this group. Um, and it really is remarkable what they've done. I mean, the second half specifically, they've, they've pitched more innings than, you know, the starters have. Um, and, you, you know, you can't ignore the, the midseason additions. No, this, this, none of these guys started the year with them, but the A's acted on that and they had to get creative because they only have so many resources. Um, and so, you know, when you see them quietly sign Edwin Jackson to a minor league deal um, and then, you know, go out and get Mike Fires, And in the meantime, they're also getting, you know, a couple more closers and Familia and Rodney. Um, Sean Kelly, too, was a huge addition. So um, I think when the, the trade deadline passed, I think some A's fans were a little disappointed that, you know, they didn't see some big name added. But realistically, that just was never going to happen. The A's have to be creative. And I think this kind of speaks volume to, you know, who's in that front office and you know, the way they're able to conduct business and, and put together these pieces. Um, now, luck probably factors in a little bit um, just because, you know, you don't, you don't have this type of rotation and, and win that many games down the stretch without a little luck. Um, but again, I think these are guys that rely on the defense a ton. Um, and, and the bullpen has just been there to pick them up every game. Um, they just have, you know, they have that many guys and it's not just quantity, it's quality. And that's going to play a big role here in October, whether it's one game or, or beyond. I mean, the, the bullpen is the backbone of the team. And, you know, I think when you look at, the, the rotation falling apart. Um, you know, they they don't. They're not able to pick up the pieces and and keep moving forward without that bullpen. Is there any concern that there is too much work on the bullpen? And later in the season, has there been any signs of, you know, arms being fatigued? Or you know, is there is there a, you know talk about that that some of these guys are are maybe overworked and and that could be a concern going into this game and then possibly beyond? Yeah, I think that was a concern. I mean, you know, probably beginning of August, um, you know, you start looking at um, the workload for Blake Trinan, for Lou Trevino, um, spe- specifically Trevino, because you know, he's a rookie, um, has only pitched so many innings in his professional career, um, obviously surpassed um, his previous high in professional ball. Um, Trinan I, I know that Bob Melvin's always saying that all the time, you know, he has a rubber arm. They're not concerned with Trinan. Um, he, it seems like, you know, no matter how many innings he pitches, you know, whether he's going back to back to back, um, giving them two innings, you know, on back to back days. Uh, I mean, this guy is just so solid, so unbelievably dominant. And for them to not have to worry about him. I mean, he, he really has been, I mean, just a godsend for this team. They just, they're not where they are without Trinan. Um, and so I don't think they worry about him, but behind him, you know, Trevino, I think in this last month, we are seeing some wear and tear um, a little bit too, a familiar with Rodney. So, you know, it was good that they were able to clinch um, 
you know, last week to give them about a week or so to, you know, get these guys a little bit of rest. Um, you know, whether it's too late, we'll see. But, you know, I think also the playoffs start and adrenaline kicks in sure. and that can be a game changer. So, um, yeah, I do think that they're worn down just because they've been having to pick up so many innings as a result of just a messy rotation. But, you know, they knew that that's what they had to do to get here. So you really can't play it cautious when, you know, you're playing for something. And, and now that they have secured a playoff spot, um, you know, they just kind of hope for the best from them. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting because I I do – they haven't announced anything, but I do see them just kind of bullpenning their way through the wild card game. And um, you can't fault them for that. I mean, yeah, it's unconventional. It's not traditional. Um, if it works. You know, people are going to applaud them, of course. And and if it doesn't work and they lose, then, you know, people are obviously going to point to that as the reason they didn't win. Um, but, you know, you look at needing to win one game, um, you need to go to your strongest arms. And for the A's, that means, you know, these these relievers. Um, and I think it helps, too. You know, they get a couple days of rest between now and the wildcard game um, because, you know, they, they have been – little worn down here down the stretch so hopefully that's enough for them and you know only time will tell so we know how the the bullpen is is one of the uh the obvious strengths uh the the offense like you were mentioning before they're one of the more potent offenses in the league uh and then especially on the road they actually have better splits uh, on the road they're, they they score more runs when they're out of oakland um chapman obviously chris davis who's been hitting the ball out he's going to be most likely the home run king this year um in the american league is this uh was this something where these guys all just you know looked around and, and started clicking off of each other because they realized that, you know, there were more, more uh, effective batters in this lineup. So they, they were getting more pitches to see. I mean, even a guy like Jed Lowry's having a career year, first time all-star seems like they all clicked at the right time. Yeah. I mean, the, the length of this lineup is it, really impressive. Um, and I think, you know, I think they recognized at the end of last year in September, um, they finished the season 17 and seven and we're feeling really encouraged by the way they finished and all the offense was coming together. And so going into spring training, they knew that the offense was probably going to be, um, you know, the, the difference in this team. Um, they, I don't think they could have foreseen the bullpen doing what it's done. Um, but the offense was going to be their strength just because they knew, you know, that, they had guys like Chapman and, and Olsen and Chris Davis and Lowry, um, you know, signing to Scotty ended up being huge for them. Um, and so up and down, um, I mean, it's really a true threat. And even I think I saw the other day that their number eight and number nine hitters, um, you know, combined lead, lead the league in, um, you know, average RBIs. So they're getting production. Um, you know, from essentially everyone. Um, and obviously the power has played a huge part in that. Um, and it's not just Chris Davis. It's, you know, not just Matt Olson. I mean, you've got Jed Lowry, you know, surpassing the 20 homer mark, Stephen Piscotti, um, Marcus Simeon has kind of caught fire here of late. Um, and, and he's hitting balls out of the park. So um, I think for them, the biggest thing was, you know, not relying on the long ball. And I think at the beginning of the season, we were seeing a little too much of that and they weren't able to produce runs in other ways. Um, and, and I think in the second half, you're seeing them get on base more. Um, you know, they're working pitchers to death. And I think that's probably their, their best trait is they will work pitchers 
you know, they'll foul off pitches. They will wait for their pitch. Um, and I think that approach um, kind of starts with Lowry. I mean, he is mm-hmm. so good at that, and these young guys have watched him so closely. Um, and it's hard for a young guy, you know, adjusting to the league and, you know, um, you know, wanting to make a difference, but also staying patient in their approach. And I think that as the season's gone along, you're seeing guys like Chapman, um, guys like Olsen um, do a better job of that. Um, and that's really paid dividends for them. I mean, they've beaten up on, you know, some of the, the best starters in the league because of that approach. Um, I remember one series, you know, against the Astros earlier this year, um, you know, facing guys like Derek Cole, Justin Berlander, um, and just working them hard, um, you know, and knocking them out, you know, in the fifth inning where these guys are used to pitching into the seventh, maybe eighth. Um, and, you know, once you get the start out of the game, then, of course, anything can happen. So I think, um, you know, it's really impressive to see what the offense has done, um, especially later in the game. And I think that's going to serve them well, um, you know, in the playoffs you know, just knowing that even if they're down early, they know they've done it before. They have the confidence to know that, you know, with one swing of the bat, the game can still be changed. Um, so, you know, you look at the bullpen, obviously, um, probably the, their best strength right now, but the offense too. I mean, it, it really is remarkable what they've done. It'll be interesting, I think, in the beginning of this game to see how the nerves play at bat, uh, if, if they can take that, that patient approach at the plate. I could see, you know, a, a very loud, aggressive Yankee Stadium with, um, you know, if, our, if the Yankee starters are around the plate, I could see that being one of those things. If, they, if the Oakland A's show that they can be patient from, from the beginning, I think it's going to be a very tough game on uh, the Yankees pitching staff. Uh, Jane, before I let you go, I want to ask you quickly about uh, this trade that the Yankees made with the uh, the A's uh, regard with Sonny Gray, and I- I'm very curious about a couple things, and I want to just see how those uh, how the guys are doing uh, with uh, uh, that we've that we've sent over, especially the guys in the minors, Caprillion, um, Mateo, and Fowler, who's been in the majors. But first, Sonny Gray, the how did he handle the media when he was in Oakland? Because this guy has one driven us insane with the, the answers that he's given back, uh, you know, just about how he comes out there and, and you know, we'll throw a, a, just a complete horrible start, go two to three innings and then come out and say, he's got, he still has some of the best stuff he's ever seen. You know, I'm curious on how he was with the, with the media and, uh, and, and why you <laughs> think he's struggling. Yeah, no, that all sounds very familiar. We heard that too. Um, and he wasn't the only one saying that. I mean, but Bob Melvin would routinely say that too. And it would kind of drive us crazy because it doesn't make sense, right? Um, right. So it, was, it could be frustrating. But, um, no, he was, you know, with us, he was good with the media and, you know, definitely didn't embrace it. Um, you know, he was a guy that preferred to keep to himself to, to stick with short answers. Um, and you know, it was fine. And I think in, in a setting like Oakland, you probably get away with it more than in New York. Um, and I think it just kind of, um, you know, he was, he was a little bit better in one-on-one settings. Um, I think just because, you know, he felt more comfortable and, and as soon as the cameras turned on, you know, it can be, it can be unnerving for a lot of people. Um, you know, those lights go on and, it's just they're not used to that. Um, but <laughs> I remember when the trade happened and, you know, hearing, you know, it was going to the Yankees. And my first thought 
was like, oh my gosh, she's going to have to deal with the New York media. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure how that's going to go over. Wow. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, I knew it was going to be hard for him. Um, and, you know, I like Sonny. I think he's, you know, he was always good to me. And I think they, for with the A's media, it helped for us just because we grew up with him, you know, like he was, I was around when he was drafted. And I think, you know, it just helps when, you know, you're around guys and you just have that existing rapport with them. Um, this, the same thing happened with Josh Donaldson. Um, they, you know, I know that he could be, it sounded like he could be a little tricky in Toronto too. Um, but with Sonny, I mean, I think the A's, that was a hard trade for them. I mean, he, he meant everything to them and no one really could understand why he was struggling. Um, because he still has, and I think he still does have some of the best stuff in baseball. And it's just kind of about harnessing it. And, you know, I don't know why he hasn't been able to put it together. I thought maybe a change of scenery could do him some good, but maybe, you know, New York being that change of scenery isn't, isn't the best for him. I think he would maybe thrive in a smaller market. Um, you know, I know guys like, like Chris Davis has talked about it before. I mean, he likes the smaller market. Um, you know, teams and, and kind of playing under the radar, out of the spotlight. Um, and and I think Sonny is similar in that way. But, I mean, Bob Melvin was so close with Sonny, and I know that a lot of guys in Oakland took that hard. Um, and even this year, you know, watching from afar, looking at his numbers, it was just, it's still baffling to me. Um, and I said often, like, you know, if Sonny was back in Oakland, he'd be their best starter. Um, I think I said the other day, like if Sonny was in Oakland, he'd be starting the wild card game. Um, so it's just, I, you know, it's really hard to make sense of what's going on with him. And, you know, I hope, you know, that they stick with him. I'm sure, uh, you know, I see, you know, just what's on Twitter and everything. And I, it sounds like he's gotten a lot of booze out there. Um, oh yeah. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's and I'm sure he, the, the smile, yeah. the smile walking off of the mound uh, when he when he had one of his worst starts didn't help matters. The, the New York, yeah, you know what? New Yorkers I saw that, and that. I, <laughs> I saw that, and I think he just that's that's just someone that just does not know how to react to that. That's almost like a defensive thing, you know? Like, yeah, oh yeah, like it was. what do you what do you do? Yeah, um, and I don't think you know it was like him, you know, mocking the fans or trying to show them up. It was just like someone that doesn't know how to handle the situation. Um, and that can affect you on the mound. Um, so it's just, it's very odd. And, you know, but he's still, he's still young. Um, I mean, I, I do still wonder if, if another change of scenery, you know, somewhere else where, you know, the pressure, there's not as much pressure and he can kind of get back to, you know, pitching the way that he was early on in his career. Um, but it's just, it really doesn't make much sense. I don't have many answers for you because I've been wondering the same thing too. <laughs> you know, one of the things quickly he he said that that really caught me by surprise, and I'm I'm wondering how it was in Oakland. Um, the he he had mentioned that he really doesn't have a routine pregame, um, and, and whether it's on the road or on on the days of his starts, he he met, he's talked about not having a routine. And I'm thinking in my head, well, a guy that's been as inconsistent as he is, who is looking for some consistency in a new place, you'd think that that would be one of the first place you start, you know, like a, a game day routine, the way you go through your, your warmups or your, your film or, or whatnot. I don't know, just something like that, that you can control. I would think that would help uh, because it seems like he gets in his head a lot. And uh, as much as he could take he that out, he, he yeah. you know, he'd be a better pitcher. Yeah, no, he definitely gets in his head. Um, 
you know, I think he, he overthinks things and you see it on the mound. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a guy that just his whole life, I mean, until up until, you know, he had a couple injuries in Oakland and then started struggling a little before the trade. I mean, up until that point, I mean, he had never really experienced fail, failure in baseball, yeah. you know? Um, and I think he just got so used to relying on his stuff because, I mean, his stuff is really, really good. And, you know, he he always said, and, you know, other guys were always amazed by the fact that he could throw the ball wherever he wanted to. Um, and the movement on his ball was crazy, too. Um, so, yeah, I think with him, it does come down, you know, to the mental game. And, you know, you see it all the time where, you know, guys, um, you know, either – their careers are cut short or their careers never even begin because of that. Um, so you just hope, you know, that he can kind of get out of that funk um, because he, he does have the talent. There's no question that. I think for him though, it, it definitely is the, the mental side. And, you know, I don't, it, it seems like it's gone on long enough to where you would hope that, you know, something would have changed by now. Um, but who knows? I mean, you know, you can't really get into a person's head. And, you know, I think, too, the more you talk about, you know, getting out of your head and, and changing the mental game, you know, maybe that makes you think about it even more, you know. So it, it's it's frustrating to watch, and, and I can't imagine how frustrating it is for him and for, you know, fans watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen crazier things, but maybe he does make a uh, the roster for the wildcard game. And just what he needs is to go against Oakland in the wildcard game at Yankee Stadium. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe right? he comes in in relief and, and, uh, and, and you know, changes the tune for, uh, for New Yorkers. Because it's what have you done for, for me lately over here. That's basically what, what we rely on. But, Jane, thanks oh, so much. Of course. And they, I mean, they would, eat up, they would eat up that narrative, too. Oh, absolutely. Be, yeah. everyone, everyone would win. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. I know you have to get going. Um, we, uh, we're looking forward to this game on Wednesday and uh, have a safe trip to New York if you haven't already made it and uh, guys if you want to follow Jane on Twitter she's at Jane MLB Jane Lee thank you so much yep of course thank you believe it or not George isn't at home to leave a message at the beep I must be out before I pick up the phone where could I be <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Okay, so the best moment of the season is a three-way tie between the first game of the season when Stan hit the two bombs and it seemed like the prophecy was in full force. Uh, Tyler Austin body slamming Joe Kelly and Aaron Judge putting him in a headlock and Hickey taking David Price deep for his first major league hit. Um many others. The worst moment of the season was the entire second half. Yeah, so my favorite uh, Yankee game this year, my favorite moment was uh, Brett Gardner's at-bat against Craig Kimball. It was in the second game of the May series against the Red Sox, and it put the Yankees ahead and followed by judges two on home road to ice that game and put the Yankees in first place for uh, a couple of minutes. It was it was pretty nice, uh, and then, uh, and then a worse loss have to be the last game of the August series. Fucking Andrew Hart, terrible throw, and Bird can't scoop a beach ball rope right thrown right to his nuts. 
Just a shitty fucking game. Oh my god. Hey, Bronx Pinstripes. Uh, this is Nico from Harlem. First time caller, long time listener. Uh, just wanted to chime in on your best and worst of the 2018 season. A lot of highs and lows so far, but um, gotta say the highest of the highs is taking my son to his first game. He's not even a year old yet, but he's already been to the Audi Club and the Delta Suite and all these crazy places. But May 4th, uh, the May 4th, or I think maybe even the May 6th game, actually, Star Wars night. They had the cosplayers, they had a win, it was a crazy night, Judge was doing great, everybody was doing great, it was still early in the season, stuff was looking fresh. Um, and then on the flip side of things, I was also there, unfortunately, at the Aaron Judge injury game when he got pegged in the wrist, and I swear to God, it looked like a mafia hit. Dude is so composed and friendly 90% of the time, but he walked off that field mouthing the F word. He was not a happy boy that day. So those are the highs and lows. Star Wars day as a high, and Judge getting a mafia hit on his wrist as a low. Let's go Yankees, man. We don't need it for these wild cards and series is ahead. Thanks. Hi, Timmy here. Best moment when they swept the Angels. Worst moment when those mass holes plunk Aaron just by the hand. Let's go Bombers. Let's go Yankees. My favorite moment was Gardner's triple against Boston in May because it felt like October at the stadium. Hi guys, this is Lee Jones from Liverpool in England. My highlights of the season for me was watching Luke Voigt hit two homers against the Red Sox off David Price and I realised that we got this guy in, in exchange for chasing fucking Shreve. Alright, honestly my favourite moments from the season would have to be the brawl at the beginning of the season which reignited our rivalry with, with Boston. Uh, Stanton, Stanton's uh, walk-off homer against the Mars. And, uh, what else? I mean, getting a touch-in was great, too. Um, and I guess, you know, Boone. I mean, I know a lot of people have been critical of him, but honestly, he had his moments of, you know, not great managing decisions, but he's the thought all around. Now, the negatives would have to be, right off the bat, fucking four-game four sweep at Fenway Park to the by the Red Sox, um, that fucking speaker, that fucking Rob Flint Frazier of home run, and honestly not beating teams like the Orioles, it's just fucking annoying, but whatever, that's the regular season, honestly, had its ups and downs, but glad we got a winning season, second in the division, we're going to the wild card, hopefully postseason turns out good. Favorite Yankee moment of the year just happened right now. Cece Sabathia rocking Stu Crane and his little fucking legs. And the Yankees rocking whoever that pitcher was immediately after. Bombed by King Louie. And I'm bombed by Big G. Fucking love it. Hey, Ken Strikers is Eric from Syracuse. And um, my highlight of the 2018 season for the Yankees was that big old jolly country pumpkin. Luke Boy strolling into the Yankee clubhouse like Paul Bunyan and taking that first base job with his big ham hock hands and ripping it away from that emo beta cuck named Greg Bird. Greg Bird's going to give him VJs and truck stops by this time next year. See you later, boys.
What's up, guys? Uh, I want to first start off by saying thank you for doing the podcast. I appreciate you guys. You know, y'all help me get through working. Work late night, so I listen to you guys while I'm at work. Um, best Yankee moment this year, I'd have to say, gotta be the Tyler Austin fight. I mean, I love that guy, and I wish he was still in pants first, but I had to move on. My other favorite ties him with Austin as well. We lost him, but we got Lou Floyd. That guy brings a lot of energy, a lot of swag to the team. And my least favorite memory was anytime that fucking Sonny Gray decided to pitch. Anytime he was on the hill. Good riddance to that dude. I hope we just get rid of his ass. But hope we have a long playoff run. Let's go beat the A's on Wednesday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.